0: Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. The sermon you are about to hear can also be downloaded at grenadachurch.com. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message.
1: Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself the apprehended, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for today, your many blessings. What a great God you are, Lord, to put such blessings on us we don't deserve. Lord, you provide everything. You watch over us when we're Not even aware, Lord. It's like you've come in the back door and you, when we're not even paying attention, Lord, you, you bring every need, Lord. You make sure we're taken care of in every aspect, not only at home, but in the church. We're so very thankful. And this morning, Father, as we gather in your house, I pray for a few moments as we lift up the name of Christ that only He be magnified, Lord. Let's behind, let us hide behind the cross and we'll forever give you honor and praise. And we ask it in His name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to preach to you this morning about time. Time is a very precious thing that you possess on this earth. And think about it. You can't buy any more of it. You can't buy not one ounce of time. Not one minute, not one hour can you buy. And no one person can gift it to you. I can't give you any of my time. Whatever you have is your time. And you can't get back what you've wasted. Whatever you've wasted through the years, you can never get that back. But we'll settle one fact before we go any further. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I believe every day live without knowing Christ as your Savior is a waste of pre- very precious time. And I didn't know that until I got saved. When I was unsaved running around out in the world, I didn't realize how precious time was. And I think it's one thing God does to you when you're when you're converted to Jesus Christ is that, uh, you, you start realizing how precious time is. And maybe it's, I'm getting older too. And I'm, I'm 54 years old this year. And I see time getting closer for me. And I look back and I'm like, wow, my life is half over. Where did it go? So what about Christians though? As we know Christ, what are we doing with that time God has allotted to us? A study revealed that an average 70-year-old Christian man has spent 24 years sleeping, 14 years working, 8 years in amusements, 6 years at the dinner table, 5 years in transportation, 4 years in conversation, and 5 years in studying and reading. Another 4 years were spent in miscellaneous pursuits. Within those four years, he spends 45 minutes in church on Sundays and five minutes were devoted to prayer each day. That adds up all to a not impressive total of five months that he's gave God over 70 years. That's the normal life. Now, even if a person is very faithful in their church going and they attend Sunday school and three one-hour services per week, they still only spent one year and nine months in church. Now, if you have questions about that arithmetic, sit down and do a survey of your own time. It doesn't take long to do it. Think about just I love journaling. I write down just about everything. It helps me. I don't know why. I've always loved to write. I know a lot of people may not. It's kind of becoming a lost art in our day and age writing. I love to write in cursive. I'll write and print. And i write down what's going on. Journey your time during the day and do that just for one week and see where you're spending your time. And if you're honest with it, how much? You look and see how much of your precious time you spend with the things of God. When you finish that exercise, remember the words of Jesus. And I challenge you to do that. When you go home today, make an effort to do it. Even if it's just one day, maybe not even a week, you can still get an average about where you spend your time, maybe during the work day. Just write down where you spent your time during the day. And I promise you it will stick with you. I did this. And you remember these words from Jesus when you do it. For what is a man profited? He shall gain the whole world and lose his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So as you go throughout the day and you you figure out where you put your time, and what you've gave to God, you figure out that how precious that time is as you're preparing for eternity. Now, I've preached from this passage out of Philippians chapter 3 many times, and I couldn't think of a better passage. Nothing come to my heart as quickly as this passage did when I started thinking about time. It was on my heart early in the week to preach about the time we're given. I really didn't have a verse at first, and then this come to me again, and, it, and it, it really it explains a lot about our use of time. In verse 11, backing up just a little bit, it says, if By any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And this is Paul speaking. It shows us one of the most important goals in our use of time, and it's to make every single footstep count towards our eternity with Jesus. Every single footstep no matter what it is, should count towards that eternity that's coming for all of us. Think about the beginning of that verse. If by any means I might attain. Paul knew there was nothing he could do to earn anything from God. He understood that. Money can buy a crucifix, but it can't buy a Savior. Money can buy religion, but it can't buy salvation. Money can buy a good life, but it can't buy eternal life. Money can even buy you a passport, but it can't buy you heaven. So that word attain means to know. I know that I'm headed to where God is. I know that I'm going there by the way of Jesus Christ and His cross. And it, and it really means to take hold also, to to grab a hold of eternity and life and know that it's real and it and it's coming to me and to make the most of this life for God. I know this is so very important, eternity. That's why I come to church every Sunday, and I stand here and preach. The nights I spend laboring in front of the keyboard to make sure the radio's running, we're getting things done, and I do that because I know how precious it is, the soul to God. And I have that calling on my life to pastor, and pastoring is not so much evangelistic, but A lot of it is to prepare the saints for what's coming and prepare them to go out in the world and and to witness Jesus Christ. My friends, we've got a very important mission ahead of us. And even so more in this day and age that we live in, I believe we're on the brink of revival. And the reason I say that is every time that wickedness has broke out in this nation, there's always been a great revival behind it. And I believe that's coming. I believe there souls that are going to come to Christ. We never thought in a million years some of these people that are coming to Jesus Christ are going to be coming in the days ahead. So you have to make the most of this time that you have here on this earth count towards the kingdom of God and the eternity you're headed to. Now look at verse 12. Not as though I'd already attained either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying he had not arrived to his final maturity in Christ. And you have to accept that fact today. No matter how right you may think you are, or how holy, or how long you've been serving God, not a single one of us have arrived to a final maturity in Christ. Paul knew he had not crossed the finish line. None of us here, we've not crossed that finish line yet. But Paul longed for it. You should desire to improve your life in the ways of God. That's the idea behind this. I know I haven't obtained everything God wants for me. And I'm always striving and yearning to, to grow closer to God and know Him in ways I've never known Him before. We just don't get saved and set on pews and that's it. I I hope when you come to church or you're praying or you're studying your Bible, that, that that thought hits you, Lord, let me grow a little bit more today. Let me know you in a little deeper way today. You know, when you get in that alone time with God, I I know I do. I feel his presence around me when I really shut off the world and and I'm really concentrating on God in prayer and, and, and just taking that time to get to know him a little bit better, you actually feel his presence in the room and around you. It's not just, a, well, God, I think you might exist. I, my Savior comes in and, and you can experience and feel the presence of God in your life if you'll give him that opportunity and devote that time to him. You know, it, it's not an easy process. The things of God, it, being a Christian, getting up, going to church and prayer, living out in this wicked world, it, it's not an easy process. And whoever says that it is, they're a liar or they're telling you a lie. It's the best thing you'll ever do in this life, but it's just not an easy process. A person, that, but though, that waits on the Lord, that, that has that patience, you've not lost anything the person that waits on god they really don't lose any time when you're out in the world and you're doing all the things of the world you're you're following after money and following after the things that are not of god you lose a lot of precious time because they'll count for nothing when it's all said and done you know every single funeral that i've attended been at preached whatever capacity i've been there I have yet to see anybody carry a sack of money with them to the grave. I've yet to see anything. Well, they might put it in the casket with them, but I promise you this, they didn't carry it into eternity. So what becomes of value? What becomes important then? And I'm amazed at the preachers that won't even approach the subject of death and eternity anymore. And I think people are more scared. When you don't talk about the things of God, when you don't talk about eternity to come, people become fearful because there's no hope. Well, if I'm going to die, and that's it, what I had to live for. Do you know suicide rates have skyrocketed? I mean, it's getting out of control, suicide rates. And I see even Christians doing this. Well, call me. That's okay. Call a friend if you need to talk to somebody or get professional help. Talk to somebody And that's good, but when they talk to that person, where are they going to point them? If you'll point them to Jesus Christ, they'll have something to live for. If you'll point them to Jesus Christ and His salvation, they'll have hope in the future to come for them. Amen? Look at what's happened in our nation with suicide rates skyrocketing. What is the one thing that has changed? We've left God out of just about every aspect of life now in our schools, our kids have no hope from a very beginning of their life where they used to be taught patriotism of this great nation. They used to be taught, uh, just the very basics about the Bible. No denominations involved. Just a little bit about Jesus Christ and God over this nation. And now we've taken that out. And I know even here in Grenada County, and it is such a sad thing to even say. That young children, I, I remember one case, and I won't say their name, I won't even identify a boy or a girl, but a very young person in our community in school hung themselves. And you know, when you take God though out of school, that's what happens. And my friends, this is the best life you'll ever live i haven't arrived i haven't reached my goal i'm not perfect but christ is taking a hold of me so i keep running and i keep struggling to take a hold of christ now how do you use your time i just read to you verses 13 and 14 and look at those words forgetting those things that are behind forgetting doesn't mean to obliterate the past it doesn't mean i wipe it out and never come back up again that's not what it means Think of it like driving a car or truck. When you're driving that vehicle and you've got this big old windshield in front of you going down the road, that's how you see to where you're going. But you have to look in the rearview mirror every once in a while. I hope you are. I don't know if a lot of people are nowadays. When I see them driving down the road, I see a little bobbing and weaving. I think they're drunk till I see they're on that cell phone. But anyway... It, if you got to look in that rearview mirror every once in a while, and you got to look in your side mirrors, and you got to make some judgment calls along the way, but wouldn't it be a mess if that's all you ever did is look in the rearview mirror trying to go down the road? You wouldn't get anywhere. You would crash and burn in a short amount of time. And so it is with life. Yeah, I've got to look behind me at some things that happened. I, I, I got to know where I messed up. I got to know where I, I did some things right. The church needs to do that. Hey, this worked here. This didn't here. We need, That horse is dead. You need to dismount it. And so it goes in your own life. If you're on a dead horse, dismount it. It's going to do you no good. You learn from those lessons is the idea behind that. Take some quick glances behind you. But you have to look through that windshield of life as you're going forward and to make the right decisions to, to, to know where you're going. You have to, though, refuse to let your past define you, especially your past failures, your past sin. You can't let it define who you are. If you've, uh, if you've made some major mistakes in your life and you hang on to that baggage, some things might happen in your life. Just what I was talking about a while ago. Uh, people are committing suicide just to escape. and and nobody's ever i'm assuming nobody's ever told them about the good news of christ and him crucified because they're hanging on to that past and one thing when i got saved that i loved that message right off the jump was that all the bad junk i've done in my life was forgiven and it's behind me but it doesn't define who i am anymore i'm not a drug head anymore i'm not alcoholic anymore I'm something new. I love that part in the Bible that I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not an old creation in Christ. It's new. And it has to be new or you can't move forward. Don't let past failures impede your progress in the walk with God and even more so in ministry. I watch, I've read a short article. I don't, I don't listen to him. But Joe R- Rogan, I believe is his name, The popular TV show guy, and he's got a podcast now, and I seen him making fun of uh, some ministers, and he he got the wrong minister and accused the wrong person, and who he was talking about was the failures of Jimmy Swaggart, and all he talked about was his failures of how he stood in front of the world and cried when he had uh, got caught with some things in his life he shouldn't have been doing, and I I wrote a pretty long letter to him i don't i don't know if he'll get to see it i wrote it to his show but it's amazing people point out your failures but fast forward another 20 or 30 years past his failures and just to make it short because you know in here he's running one of the largest religious networks in the world hands down he had tons of past failures but look where God's brought him to don't don't let that checker passed dictate who you are now because if you stop where you're at now just in your past and there you'll never be able to go forward every christian life has a checkered past every single christian there is to some degree I, I, now granted i understand some may be worse than others i get that but every single christian has probably committed a sin that would keep them out of heaven under law It would. If you were under law, you didn't know Christ as your Savior, you have probably broken one or more of the Ten Commandments. And the situation is different for every person, but yet the weakness and failures are in every single one of our lives. Paul said he did not understand it all, but he did know this. He was forgiven. And when you come to that place in your life and you know that you're forgiven, you don't waste time dwelling on past failures You put the devil on notice that you're a child of the King and I'm not living back there anymore. I'm living in the future with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I'm not staying back there anymore where the devil dwells at
0: where he wants to keep you
1: captive at. I'm not there anymore.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Now, we ask you to help us keep bringing great Pentecostal messages to the world. Join us in our effort to reach the lost by supporting this ministry with a generous offering. We cannot do this unless people just like you give to help cover the costs. On the homepage at www.cross.radio, click on how you can help. There you can give by credit card, debit card, or e-check. Let the Lord bless you and use you in your giving. Now back to the message.
1: Paul approached the future with anticipation and faith. He was very eager to see what he could achieve for Christ. Church better be very careful. We've lived on past victories. Look what happened in the church years ago. That that's great. We have to remember our history and where we've been and it it edifies people to know where the church has been, the great victories that have happened, but we can't live there. We have to anticipate and look forward to new things coming also. And when I, and you have to be careful with this though, because boy, you tell some people we have to do a new thing, their mind goes to whirl and, oh boy, we need to change everything in the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying we should be expecting for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. We should be expecting this awakening to happen here in the United States. We should be expecting God to send revival. We should be expecting God to bless the church, to bless the Christians, and to keep us moving forward. Lord, we need a miracle in the United States. We flat out need a miracle. We've had some good victories here in the past month or two. Some great victories, but we need more, Lord. Lord, I don't know what it's going to take to shake some of these vile and evil politicians we have up in Washington, but something has to give, and I have to believe God to bring us the victory. I don't want to see this nation go down in flames, because that means that's me and you too. If this nation goes down, that's us. That's our homes. That's our children. That's our grandchildren. That's things we, we hold dear to us we better be locking horns on that altar and praying, God, give us a victory. I'm anticipating and believing if that zeal and that fire has gone out in your life, start there. God, give me that zeal again. Give me that fire in my life like I had the day when I first got saved and I wanted to go tell everybody about Jesus Christ. We lose that along the way. We all do. We get saved and we forget about all the joy that we experienced that day when we first got saved. Look, there's somebody out there. There's somebody out there that needs to hear from you. Not just Brother Wilson. Not just Brother Glenn. Not just Evangelist. There are people out there that need to hear from you. And nobody else is going to be able to reach them like you can. Uh, Paul was eager to... Uh, See what the church was going to do in the years to come. I'm excited to see what this church is going to do. Every time that I think it's over and done and nothing, uh, it seems like the devil has just stopped us and we're not going forward. Here comes God with that what I feel is dead and he's got them paddles. I don't even know what you call them things in the emergency room where they shock you. What does anybody know? Defliberator. That's what they call them. But it seems like every time that something in my life has gone wrong and I'm never going to get back up here, God comes to the rescue to breathe life back into me again. And everybody that's willing and able, oh, Lord, help me to say this right, Lord. I don't think I just said that right. Everybody that is eager and desiring and got that zeal and waiting up on the Lord, I believe he's going to pour out his spirit in these last days. My goodness, I'm forgetting what's wrong in the past and looking forward to what God's going to do. I didn't have a clue how we were going to get ch- chairs for that sanctuary. People were asking me. I said, I don't know. I don't have $20,000. Do you? I don't. It's easy to say, boy, y'all. when y'all going to finish it up? I don't know. When are we going to get $50,000? I have no idea. And then I get a phone call just out. All I can do is pray, Lord. That's all I can do is pray. And then I get a phone call. Brother Wilson, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How you doing, brother? All good. You still needing chairs? Now, I ain't talking about old garbage chairs. Now, these are some nice chairs. I, and he asked me, what kind of budget you got? And I said, zero. That's the budget I have, nothing. And we worked it out. <laughs> and if y'all be praying, I I know how the devil works, and I'm saying this from the pulpit. Things could go awry. Haven't got them in my hands yet, but I believe everything will fall into place. There could be delays. We're sure to get them, but God will work things out. I can't. Yeah, I know we've had delays up there. Now, if we sit there and pout about the delays we've had, guess what's going to happen? More delays. But if you anticipate, Amen. Come ask me three years ago what I felt about this place. It wouldn't have been very nice. But now we don't owe a dime on God's house. Nothing has to be paid. We got things coming in. Good things are going forward. Look, our website there at grenadachurch.com probably where the meat of most listening goes on anyway through things we did at the radio because people like being able to download them. I looked yesterday. We are fixing to break 750,000 hits on that website. (laughs) YouTube alone, this little old church, we've had over 14,000 views in two weeks on YouTube. And I'm just like, and I know that's not JSM. That's okay, but for me, that was awesome to see that. And to find out we're getting over 16,000 listener hours on our little old radio station, that is awesome. And I'm believing God, God bust this thing slap loose where I can't even control it. That's what I want. That's what you should be asking for in your life. So what about the direction of the world, Brother Wilson? There ain't nothing I can do with them. Not a thing. They can't even play softball together anymore without giving each other ugly gestures. The Republicans and Democrats play softball every year for, like, a, a game. They just get together and play, and, it, and just, you know, to kind of one time a year just set our differences aside, let's have a little fun. They can't even do that no more. One of the Democrat women ran by the Republicans over there and waved at them with a gesture. Now, you figure that out. can sit here and worry about the world all day long, and it's not going to do any of us a bit of good. I can tell you how evil they are. I can tell you we're in the last days. I can tell you it's about winding down. But I can't stay there either. I've got to move on and believe God for some magnificent things. If there's anybody that's going to get these heathens under control, it's him. Not me. They ain't going to listen to me. They ain't going to listen to you either. I love that scripture says, In that name of Jesus Christ, at every knee shall bow. And at first that, you know, we, we don't, I don't think any of us really take that scripture in, but you think about this. Even the people of hell, the demons, Satan, everybody, one day they'll have to take the knee to him. That is awesome. That's who I serve. So in my life, I can sit there and have a big old pity party and waste all this precious time he's gave me. I can stay there. That's my choice. That's your choice. You can stay there if you want to. But you also have another choice with your time. Make the very most of it. Run this race in power by the Holy Spirit. Make the most of every bit of time you have. Every Christian is going to face bad things. You are. You're going to face them. I'm sorry, but you are. Unfortunately. But you still have to make the most of it. Every day approaching the fact. It may be a good day. It may be a bad day. I don't know if you know the name, but you probably do. Some of you probably do. Uh, Corey Tinboom. She was a lady, a great Christian lady. She wrote a book, "The Hiding Places." She was a very anointed lady that was used mightily by God during World War II with the against the knot. See, she was born in 1892 in the Netherlands. She would come from a Christian family. And they were watchmakers, and in the Netherlands where they were living, Hitler and his troops had pushed into that area. And Jews, rightly so, were becoming fearful for their lives and they would go to her family and ask him for help. And it just started uh, a whole underground network to get Jews out of there so they wouldn't lose their life. And that's what their family was known for. They built a secret room in their house and had such an elaborate system set up to hide the Jews and get them out of the hands of the Nazis. Um, Very very did a lot of help for Jews. They, there's no telling how many thousands of Jews they helped save from going to the concentration camps. Well, anyway, in her book, The Hiding Place, she relates an incident that taught her to be faithful. She and her sister Betsy had been transferred to one of the worst German prison camps there was. It was called Ravensbrück. And when they entered it, they, they saw how overcrowded and infested with fleas it was. Betsy had told her little sister, Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. And Corey flat out refused to give thanks for the fleas. She said, I just ain't going to do it. But Betsy kept on persisting. you got to give the Lord thank, thanks for even the fleas. And she finally succumbed to her sister's pleadings and started thanking God even for the fleas and the overcrowded conditions. And during the months they spent at that camp, they began to notice they were very shocked at how the guards would never come in there and harass them. They were able to hold Bible meetings and prayer meetings. They had snuck a Bible inside of this prison camp. And the guards would never come in and they were to the hold church pretty much all the time inside of these barracks. It wasn't until several months later they learned the reason the guards were not coming into the barracks. It was because of the fleas. So, thank God, even for the fleas sometimes. Corey and Betsy, they saw a lot of souls saved in that prison camp. But Betsy's health declined and she passed away in December 1944 at the age of 59 in that camp. Twelve days after Betsy died, Corey was released, and sometime later, I want you to hear this. This is what she discovered after she was released, because of a clerical error. That's why she was released from that prison camp. It was just an error on paper, and all the women in her age were sent to the gas chambers ten days after she was released. Don't tell me God's not able. Don't tell me God is not able to watch over us. Sometimes we don't think that He's watching. He's there with us. Paul said in verse 14, I press towards that mark. He was determined to make His most of, of the time that He's been given on this earth. You know, the, the disciples did not... Some of them lived to be an old age. Many didn't. And almost all were martyred. But no matter what time they had here on this earth, they made the most of it. I fear in the American church we're not making most of the time that God has given us. We're so worried about the things out in the world and we're having to hustle and bustle to make a dollar. I, I noticed uh I, what caught my eye this week. I'm sure everybody's seen it. The lottery is $1.2 or $3 billion. Biggest it's ever been. And there was another article right beside it. Do you know... Seventy percent of lottery winners have either died or they died dead broke. Seventy percent. You would be shocked at how many relatives would kill them for money. Folks, read behind anybody that's ever had money. I know we desire because we're here. If you're like me, I don't know. (laughs) I may be just dead broke. I don't know. But I know we desire, oh, I need money for this, I need money for that, money for that. But do you know, I I believe as Henry Ford said this. Henry Ford obviously gained a lot of money. But he said he was more happy as a machinist than he was being a multimillionaire. I know we desire those things. We want to take care of family and things around it. But money ultimately... Will ruin us on the, here on this earth. Go read King Solomon. Go read Proverbs. Go ring read, uh, read the Song of Solomon and f- uh, you can find out what he saw. He had it all. He had he ended up, I believe, having a thousand wives, and his life was completely ruined over money. I'm not saying money is a bad thing. The church needs it to operate. You need it to live. You got to go work, but yet still, money's not everything. So make the most time on earth here. I've learned this little lesson in my life. I I believe Anthony and me talked about this. We we run and we I had to work and make double time and uh, uh, time and a half just to make ends meet throughout the times that I worked in factories and did different things. And I usually stayed a long time places I went. And uh, you know what, all those times that I spent overtime, and I had to do it, understand that, but all those times that I worked that overtime and double time and spending time away from my family, I really don't have much to show for it, except a lot of bags under my eyes, <laughs> a lot of marks here and there. And I'm not, and look, again, I had to do it. I had to do it to make ends meet, but I'm just saying after all that was said and done and all my years of running, going to and fro, you know what? the most important, valuable thing that I have left, I have Jesus Christ. That's what I have. Paul was a fully surrendered man. Everything in his life, he was fully surrendered. Suppose you had a thousand acre ranch and you kept one little acre and said that I'm going to take that one little acre and I'll sell the rest of it. And you wanted this one little acre at the very back by yourself. You know the law says that that one long spot, that they must allow you to come in and build roads to access that one acre. called right-of-way. So, think about a Christian that doesn't have a fully surrendered life. It's like that acre and you still want to keep that one acre back there. And you don't want to let go of the whole thing. So it is in a Christian life when you don't let go of everything. You allow the devil to build inroads to that one little acre back there. You allow him to get into that one little spot, and there can exploit everything you have. We have to be fully surrendered to God to make it. Uh, Paul was consistent in his Christian walk. You have to be consistent in your Christian walk, and we all we all fall in this trap. But one day we're out in the world, and one day. We're loving God one day. We're down on bottom. We lost our faith. Something bad happens in our life. and You have to be consistent in your faith. And it doesn't mean you have to be a faith giant, but it does mean, you know what? I may be down today, Lord, but I still trust you. you always have that little seed of faith for the Lord. So let's forget what's behind us. Learning from our mistakes. Reach forward with the time we have left. You'll never taste the goodness of God if you squander this precious time that you have. The future is fantastic for believers, and I believe that with all my heart. I believe we have a great future in the kingdom of God. Look what we have to look forward to. It, I believe in this world we'll see a revival, but think of the one we have to come and the, the rivers that we have to see. Planet heaven. If you don't, I don't have time to preach at this morning, but if you want to know somebody that could really preach it, go to our website and look back uh, a few pages. I think you may be able to search in Hewlin Evans. I've got it on there. He preached a series on Planet Heaven. You ought to go take the time and listen to it. What heaven's going to be like? How wonderful it's going to be for us. The best is yet to come. I'll close with this here. First Corinthians two and nine. But as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things with God. Have prepared for them that love Him. Your mind can't even comprehend all the things that God has prepared for us in the future. So don't lose faith now. Keep pressing towards that high mark and make the most of your time that you have here on this earth. Would you stand with me this morning?
0: This brings us to the end of this sermon. Don't forget to help us in our effort to bring the message of the cross to the world. We need your prayers and financial gifts to make that happen. Also, be sure to check out our website schedule and prayer wall at www.cross.radio. Power of the Cross Radio streams great Christian music and sermons all day, every day. Again, thank you for joining us today and may God bless you and keep you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. Visit them on the web at www.cfministry.com.